Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On a very good morning, all hails. What a weekend we have just witnessed. Who said test cricket was dead and buried? Well, not us, Paddy, eh? <laughs> Not now. <laughs> no, come on, what do you mean? There are people who don't know, and Richie Benno talks about people calling the death of Test Creek since the 50s. Yes, you were saying so, that. <laughs> so, no, nah, and I'm sure someone earlier than that were, were saying that too. Mm. But uh, no, that, that's the way to play. It needs it needed Australia to be well off the mark. And uh, Shamar Joseph, my good, there's a, there's a name we'll hear forever. Yeah, dozen overs with a busted toe. We thought he was going to be in hospital for the second last day of the test. In fact, he came out. He didn't even bring his coffin, apparently. He left that home and uh, all his playing gear was in his room and they said, well, get kitted up. You're going out to bowl. He bowled a dozen straight, finished with seven wickets. And this is how it finished at the Gabba uh, late, 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 late yesterday afternoon. He lets fly. Hazel's bowled. Shamar Joseph has bowled the West Indies to the most romantic of victories. And one of the truly great upsets in Test cricket history. He's off on a lap of honour. <laughs> it's a win and events that will reverberate right through international cricket. And it might be the saviour of West Indies crickets. Shamar Joseph is a legend in his second Test match. Yeah, there were tears from West Indies greats in the crowds. Carl Hooper was seen, you know, brushing away a few tears. It was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, Brian Lara was down there, Ian Bishop down there, uh, really enjoying and soaking up a victory by some young men. They're, I haven't seen a test team so inexperienced as that one. Mm. Um, and they didn't play that well until Shamar went through us, Australia. Yep. Uh, they certainly needed him to get seven for 60s. What, what about the, the similarities between he and Tom Hartley for England? Mm. Seven for 62, he gets to bowl them over, over the line against India. Um, is a fantastic performances. Well, I don't know what to do with myself now, Hill. So I've gone from cricket yesterday, rolling into the Tom evening with Tom Brady, which we'll talk about as the morning goes on, home to watch the tennis final with Yannick Sinner mm-hmm. winning his debut Grand Slam Good and match. coming from two sets down, and then rolling into England last night, beating India. In first time India have been beaten when they've led by more than 100 on the first innings. They led by 190 on the first innings in Hyderabad mm. and still got rolled last night. There's so much to talk about. Socceroos through into the quarters at the Asian Cup. Uh, the Diamonds winning again in the netball. They're just untouchable. They belted England by 20 goals overnight. Wow. But, yeah, look, the, this win was inspired by an Australian quick, by a fiery Australian quick. This Let's not beat around the bush. They were hopeless. Uh, we should have two divisions now. We can't have these weak sides coming out here. Mitchell Stark with a brand new pink ball, he's going to run straight through them. Um, so I wouldn't think the game would go any further than three days. They're pathetic. Well, I look back at the West Indies of old and we're down stretching on the ground and they're running past in speedos and I'm going, gee, look at their muscles. These days, the West Indies, they'd be running past in overcoats. <laughs> well... Hoggy's forgotten that that team he was in was pretty pathetic, <laughs> you know. And and 
the discrepancy between the nations has been this big, as I said last week. Yep. My first test was in Australia against the West Indies, and we lost as badly as the West Indies lost in Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have had our pathetic times. Okay, so that was Rodney Hogg, the Australian fast bowling great just whacking the, uh, the West Indies after the first test. Craig Braithwaite had uh, had a few things in mind when he got the microphone yesterday afternoon. I must say, we had two words, you know, that inspired us in this last match. Mr. Ronnie Hogg said we're pathetic and hopeless. So, my, so, so that was our inspiration. We wanted to show the world we're not pathetic. And I must ask him, are these muscles big enough for him? <laughs> that background noise. Good stuff. Where was that? That, that was... Uh... In a post-match interview on the stage, wasn't yeah, it? and the crowd wasn't going off like that. I think we've dubbed that in. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, well, that was the, some of the greatest entertainment a couple of thousand people could have yeah. in, in that. And you know, Jared Whateley, for example, was one of them. Had a tie in his head. Another tied test. It's going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen. And uh, Steve Smith got it down to eight runs. And uh, but Josh Hazelwood got an absolute ripping delivery from around the wicket and boof, straight into the top of off stump. Nah. He played a perfect defensive shot just inside the line of the ball. It was oh, an incredible delivery that one. Travis said, "Well, they call it a king ducks, is it? A, a king, yeah, king pair. Yeah. He got a king pair. That means first ball both, both innings. innings. And he's he's had a pair three times, I think. Yeah." Okay. I think we we dragged out. Yeah, well, um, you know, I wasn't that happy with what uh, Pat Cummins, uh, how how he dealt with it. Um, he's a bit too glowing of the West Indies. I like that bit, but I don't think he's sort of, um, you know, paying enough attention to his side's underachievement. I mean, the, yeah, they outplayed us. They played brilliantly. Um, and, yeah, I know a lot of the talk was coming to this that you um, – you know, there's some debutants and some names that haven't travelled over here before, but uh, you know, once you put it down on an international eleven, uh, you know, you know it's going to be tough, whoever you're playing. And they were fantastic. They've created a couple of new superstars that we didn't know about before the series. And as a cricket fan, as a Test match cricket fan, um, yeah, there's a part of me that's was happy to watch. Obviously, mm. one of they played brilliantly. Oh, look, they bowled, they bowled well yesterday. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, that. that's not yeah. a test. I know. He, well, seven for 60. They still took him for 60. Yeah. And off 10 overs, that's all. And we allowed him to get t- seven wickets. We only had to chase 216. Yeah. That that means they didn't play brilliantly until the last day. Yeah. And, and Australia let them into that match big time. So hopefully there was another question after that that sort of got his mind and his thinking on his own team because mm-hmm. that wasn't good enough. Okay. Well, it was good enough for Shamar Joseph. It's just a wonderful, wonderful sporting story. Uh, this is my dream. Uh, I must say to play test cricket for the West Indies. I'm actually live here and I'm not afraid to say this. There, there will be times that um, T20 might come around, test cricket will be there. And I will say this live. I, I would always be available to be able to play for the West Indies, no matter how much money it takes or come towards me. So I will always be here to play test cricket. Very early comments. I would have thought so too. I'm not sure he understands how much money he might be offered now <laughs> and they might have to sacrifice um, or go back on his word. Right. You know, I think some desperation comes in when bowlers get injured and they might have eight months out of the game and then the offers aren't there for the West Indies. He's not being selected in the West Indies team yet and he's got to go and ply his trade for, for a, a provincial team. Uh, or maybe go to the IPL. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, 
Well, we're with breakfast. Yeah, the doctor. What? The doctor. How smart was their doctor? Doctor Bayarm or whatever his name is. They mustn't have talked to him overnight. He rang him at 11 o'clock in the morning. He's still in bed. He says, "What? How's your foot? Well, it's very sore. It's no good. I'm I'm not going to the ground today. Yeah. Well, I think you should come to the ground and support the boys anyway. And that that's it. What? They didn't check him and they didn't ice all night. And it's it's like so lucky. Then he gets to the ground. He hasn't got his his gear, as you said. Yeah. He's got the wrong shirt on. He comes out with tape all over the back of his shirt. Covering up someone else's name and number. Don't worry about that, mate. Just wear that one, but you don't have to tape it up. Anyway, they they got all his gear there, and he's he finds that. And the doctor did something to his foot. Yeah, but he doesn't know what he did. He would have had he to needle it up, surely. Well, probably, or you know, whether that's anaesthetic and numbing type stuff, or is yeah. it cortisone, or is it? Anyway, he just denies that he knows anything what he did, <laughs> <laughs> and and he couldn't walk as well as he could run into bowl. Yes, I know. He was limping. Down at third man, he was terrible. He couldn't sort of rock up over his toes. But then he'd run in and slam down and bowl nearly 150 kilometres an hour for 10 overs in a row. And and the quote was beautiful. And he said, hey, skipper, skipper, I will bowl till the last wicket falls. He was just going to bowl the right. whole time. No one else in that game had bowled more than seven overs straight. Yeah, it was riveting. It really was. It was brilliant. Hey, it's uh, Breakfast with Patton Hills. Uh, we're here for MFP Easy. They have been voted Queensland's best fibreglass pool builder. And, of course, our great friends at Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on right now. Love to hear from you. There's so much to talk about. We've only scratched the surface in the first 12 minutes or so of the show. Open line, uh, the Suncorp Home Resilience open line, 13 13 55, or you can text us on 0467 736 736. Dimmy was uh, straight out of the boxes this morning. I love test cricket. Great result for the Windies at the Gabba, and what a win by England as well. And Hyderabad enjoyed watching all the Test cricket over the weekend. Congrats to the Diamonds as well. As I said, yep, they've taken the Nations Cup easily. Uh, also, my Friday four-leg multi saluted. Yeah, that's yeah well, Dimmy, I've got your two-leg multi that didn't salute. So would that be right? Well, that was, Caulfield that was a... race two, number three, and Brisbane race eight, number one. That came fourth. Yeah, well. So, Dimmy, just put them all in there, mate. Oh, you got a couple that didn't salute. Obviously, I was on one. Yeah. Cassie <laughs> got a failed multi last week as well. No, no. Deming's one with the, uh, had two of the NHL matches, remember? Uh, no. It was a short price. I was one, only yeah. going on the one that was going to pay seven fifty. dollars <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you, Deming, for your uh, for your involvement in the show today, even though Heels has turned what on NRL, you. What NRL? Did you say NFL? What did you do? No, the NHL. Remember the hockey league over there? You had the Edmonton Oilers and something else. Oh, yeah. It wasn't the Avalanche. That's right. You had a Colorado or some yeah. other team. Uh, what have we got on the show, Heels? Well, we've got Damien Fleming coming up uh, after that incredible finish. We've got Brett Phillips with an extraordinary Australian Open final. Yannick Sinner coming from two sets down. 22-year-old. Of course, we'll claim some responsibility so with Darren Cale there in his coaching box. Yep. He uh, provides about, a lot of security, I believe. And what about the doubles? Did you watch any of the end of that? No. Nope. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. That, what was that, after the men's presentation? No, it was after the women's. Oh, the night before. Yeah, the night before. Oh, so, right, uh, Ebden and Barbara. Yeah, but combined age, seventy nine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Forty three and thirty six. So, yeah. So and, they're now. What, how old were the opponents? Uh not sure, not sure, but nowhere but, near that. Yeah. yeah. So there was. It was. It's been a great Australian Open. Um, 
You reckon? Craig Tiley said yesterday, the most successful ever. Wow. Uh, well over a million fans. They take that in from qualifying as well. You know, the amount of people that come for qualifying, which which wouldn't be too many, but uh, excluding last night's crowd, I don't know how big that was. They were over at a, they were at about a million and 64. Yes. Um, and of which they say 19% from interstate and about 8% from international. So a massive, yeah, a massive boost to mm. the, the economy there. But, yeah, Sinner and Sabalenka. Sabalenka, brilliant. I uh, felt for uh, Sheng. She she was just distraught after the match. She was towelled up by just, well, completely overpowered by Sabalenka. But we'll have Brett Phillips to talk yeah. about that. There, there, there is so much to talk about, and we'd love to hear from you this morning. It's a typical Monday. That's It's going on everywhere. Uh, the, uh, the NFL playoffs have just started. I was there with Tom Brady last night with a, boy, wasn't it a star-studded crowd, virtually the entire Lions outfit and virtually the entire Broncos outfit at this mm-hmm. big event with Brady last night. Some good in, messages for them. In Australia for about 36 hours. Yeah. And he's finished, he's got up at the end of the show and said, I love Australia. Yeah. Well, I don't, he went out apparently to Lone Pine and saw some koalas and kangaroos yesterday afternoon. But there's no doubt about the man. How do you get out there? Uber? I'm or tip, on I'm, the ferry? I'm tipping chopper. Yeah. Uh, that's the way. That's the way he rolls, Tom. He was talking about you know dining with Michael Jordan, and the guy interfered. He in, interrupted and said, uh, "Who paid for that dinner?" He said, "We were at Michael's golf club. It was his turn to pay." You Not know, allowed so. to pay, probably. Uh, <laughs> then he, he told the story about uh, he phoned up you know, looking for some uh, Jordan shoes. You know, just he wanted to sort of start to wear them around. And uh, one of Jordan's reps said, uh, you know, what size are you, Tom? He said, a 13. He said, oh, he said, as luck would have it, that's what Michael's size. He said, the next day, literally the next day by whoever courier brings it in, there were hundreds of pairs of Michael's Jordan personal shoes have arrived for Brady to wear. Uh, standing in the studio shaking her head <laughs> is Vanessa. Yes, it was It was a star-studded event last night. Big Sounds crowd. Fun. Yeah, R&A. Look, he, he's very eloquent and had the message of, you know, how he wasn't a great athlete when he first started off as a kid, and it was just sheer work ethic mm. that got him to mm. the seven Super Bowls. He was a baseball catcher. Baseball had a lot of interest to him, and, yeah. and then he decided pretty definitively that I'm going to play football. Yeah. Look, he, he he gave a lot, but I would have loved to have heard a little bit more about the Belichicks and the Gronkowskis of the world, the, the personalities. Yeah. But the message was pretty clear, and, and, and like the Reese Walters of the world who got assigned football from him and uh, the Lachine Neals. That, that, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, the American, the American host said, uh, and he said, now we've got catching a ball uh, from Tom is uh, Lachine Neal from the Brisbane Lions. You know, so it was pretty that's good. Love it. So you, you reckon Lachine's not going to stick? Yeah. Don't worry. All his yeah, te- teammates were yelling, "Hey, Lachine!" So. <laughs> Look, let's hope he's provided that spark to the Broncos and Lions this year to go the next step. That's very true. All right, tell us that we're not going to get deluged. Okay. Well, we are. So sorry to burst your bubble there, but uh, as we know, a bit of an extreme weekend, wasn't it? We saw some intense hot weather. Those minimums over, uh, you know, at night were just ridiculous. Uh, Some of the highest minimums overnight in years. Uh, The crews have still been working to restore the power to 10,000 homes who were blacked out by tropical cyclone Kiralee. So they are pretty much uh, working to have all of that restored by the 
this morning. But at the same time, that low trough, the weather system is moving into southern and central Queensland. So there are still moderate to major flood warnings possible in some areas. We saw some really high falls yesterday, 150 to 200 mils recorded through the Lockyer Valley. Brisbane averaged about 50 to 70 mils and more rain on the way today. So with those already uh, soaked catchments, uh, we are expecting a few flood warnings around. So look, we haven't seen the last of it. A couple more days still of some periods of heavy rain, possible thunderstorms, but it will clear up later in the week. So look, we're just experiencing it all at the moment, aren't we? But hang in there. We'll Mm. get through it. Seriously, high tides on the river too. Mm, Yes, just pretty much all the effects. Now, look, we were all outraged last week, weren't we, when Margot Robbie failed to be Mm. nominated for the Oscars for her um, role in Barbie as the lead actress. Um, But in a silver lining for Margot, she is coming to the Gold Coast next month Mm. to pick up a very special award. She'll make a star appearance at the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Awards. That's the Actor Awards. So they're being held in Queensland for the first time, February 10. She's going to be awarded with the Distinguished Trailblazer Award for her contribution to the film industry as an actor and producer. And, yeah, she will be there to receive that in person. So I've got to be in Sydney that news. day. Sydney, otherwise I'd just hang around rickshaws. And I know, just hang around <laughs> the Gold Margo, Coast and, and try and spot her. Oh, g'day, Hills. Yeah, uh, pretty well, she much. Would, she would know that you think those budgies are appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not, maybe not. And look, a bit of drama in Paris overnight with protesters hurling soup at the Mona Lisa. Oh, no. I mean, thankfully, she is covered in protective glass, Mm -hmm. so the original painting was not damaged, but it's about farming. There's a few protests happening around there about conditions for farmers and food sustainability in the country, so that was their message. And and they want to give the government a message mm, or the art mm. department. Yes, but, well, they're kind of saying what's more important, art or our right to healthy and sustainable food. I'm not not thinking you're not going to get anything on the Mona Lisa. It's covered up. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not very big. No, tiny. Yeah, it's always a shock, <laughs> it's isn't stolen, it? It's stolen, isn't it? It's not, that's just the fact that the one got stolen yeah, in the yeah, movie yeah. I watched. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but Esther, thank you. We've got to get to a break at 6.21. We'd love to hear from you. That open line is 13 13 55. Our text line, there's been a few texts. I'll get through them in a minute. 0467 736 736. On Patton Heels for Breakfast, it's time for the Racing Queensland update. Racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. Check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing today. And we're here powered by Kubota. Take any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Chris Nelson joining us. All kudos. CJ Graham at four winners on Saturday. Yeah, good morning, Patty. Good morning, Heels. And, uh, yeah, four winners for CJ. She had a, a real day out. She's a hard-working apprentice uh, with Kelly Schweder, and she does a terrific job. And, of course, I can't help but think, guys, those victories late last year on April and Augusta have given her that confidence to kick <laughs> on and now ride four winners. Oh, so, you're you know, a good owner. She's got to start somewhere. Uh, got to start somewhere. Like this. Yeah, exactly that's very right. good, mate. The Sunny Coast Cup's <laughs> running one, mate. How did it, how did it all look? Well, it was a funny old race, Heels. They went really hard in front on the uh, on the speed map. This is why you can't always trust, you know, speed maps. There was only going to be a couple of leaders uh, in the race. Well, 
They went pretty hard and they set it up for those back markers uh, and the back markers dominated. Kinlock won, he sat 13th in the run. S1 ran second, sat 12th in the run. Jetty ran third, was wide and back. Wapiti ran fourth, sat 15th in the run and uh, Legal Esprit was 11th and the leaders just uh, all folded up like a deck of cards. So they went too hard and they set it up for those back markers and Kinlock made it two from two this prep. They did win in Sydney first up with a similar barnstorming finish. So congratulations to all concerned there. Hey, what do you reckon, track or heat? Uh, I know um, the heat was stifling up up there, but we lost a. Yeah. In the first, ringers were awarded a dollar forty-five, and the second, lead me on at a dollar eighty-five. Party spirit in the third at six to four. Bossed up at a dollar sixty, and Golden Boom in the sixth at a dollar forty-five. All of them got beaten. Good day for the bookies, Paddy. Oh. Very good day for the bookies. Uh, Ringers Reward and uh, and Lead Me On, I think they ran okay. Ringers Reward uh, didn't have much chance there with the slow tempo. Lead Me On was honest. Uh, Golden Boom, yeah, he was disappointing. He uh, he sat outside the leader there and he just offered really very little in the straight, as I said, as you said. You know, it was it was officially probably 34, 35 degrees and the humidity was through the roof. So it's probably, you're talking, you know, 40 degrees odd real feel, I suppose. Uh, and some of them will handle it and some of them won't. As for uh, the track, well, you just needed to be off the fence. The fence was no good during the day. So, yeah, you need a little bit in your favour on Saturday. Oh, big lungs, horses, I bet, to fill it with that hot, yeah, hot air. Yuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not very good at all, Heels. You know what that must feel like. No one <laughs> would like that. What have we got coming up? Uh, we've got a big week of racing coming up. We uh, race at Warwick today. Uh, a bit of rain there overnight. Soft 7 was the latest. Uh, we haven't updated as of this morning, but probably into the heavy range or very close to it. Uh, we race at Doombin on Wednesday, weather permitting, Townsville Thursday. We've got the day-nighter on uh, Friday, Bowen during the day and the Sunshine Coast at night. We've got another $100,000 race there, benchmark 78. TAB meetings on Saturday are at Eagle Farm, Ipswich, Bundaberg, Ooh. tab meeting, which is good to see. Yeah. I'm in Bundy. And Toowoomba. I'll, I'll, be, I'll yeah. be there. You might be at the races. Oh, I think I am go. going. Yeah, I've got to go up and do a lunch with uh, Wally and Sturlow. What, what is it, Chris? Well, the Pat Wells Cup. That's it. Yeah, officially the Pat <laughs> Wells Cup. The uh, the first running of the Pat Wells Cup. So looking forward to that. Be a terrific <laughs> day. Something I didn't know. <laughs> and, yeah, there you go. And you didn't mention Thursday night. The Greyhounds have got yes. another concept. Yep. Well, the Greyhounds is a big a big night on Thursday night at Albion Park. We have the Group One Gold Bullion, uh, the Group One Gold Cup, the Listed Golden Oldies, and a couple of features there: the Country Cup and the Queensland Short Course. Not bad money, Heels. Wow. Gold Bullion, first prize two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Gold Jeez. Cup first prize one hundred thousand dollars. We have to get a Greyhound and a fast one. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm with, I'm in with that. We'll have an SEN Greyhound. No. Why not? We have to. We need to. I'm not sharing it <laughs> with everyone. <laughs> Just three of us. <laughs> All right, yep, mate. That'll do. Great to chat. We'll talk during the week. Thanks, Chris. Look forward to it. Have a good day, guys. Thank you, mate. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. All right, we do have a very special guest on uh, today, uh, former Queensland Bull uh, with Kent. And also from West Indies. Dad was Jamaican. Dad was a wonderful sportsman for Jamaica. Brendan yeah. Nash, uh, who also happens to be a Norths boy. I think we only have Norths cricketers on this show. Brendan, very good morning to you, mate. Good morning, guys. G'day, Nashy. Hey, it was, uh, you know, you yeah, well, thanks, mate. It was one of the most romantic of victories, as described by Jared Waitley. And it was something special. What emotions did that stir in you? 
Yeah, there was a few, to be honest. I was there at the ground. I was there for all, all the days. Um, it was a, a game, obviously, I'd hoped to, they'd put up a good fight, the West Indies. I think certainly they needed that as a group. And I think uh, they need to show the world and certainly Australia that um, you know they weren't going to be an easy pushover. So it was, it was fantastic, obviously. The end result um, was very close, obviously, and uh, could have gone either way. But uh, what an excitement and what a great spectacle for Test Match. Brilliant. Hey, so many good stories, too, out of these young guys that they've plucked from seemingly oblivion, haven't they? But Shamar Joseph, he's one of the biggest stories in world cricket now. Well, having a chat to the, both the, the coach before the test match and, and I had a bit of a brief chat with Jimmy Adams yesterday after the, the game and, um, you know, he, he was telling me his story. I mean, I'd never heard of him. I've been removed now from the West Indies stuff for, you know, 12 years, so... Uh, these guys weren't even on the radar back then that I knew of. So it's it's great to see them all come together. Um, you know, this guy was travelling from distances on his island to, to come and basically got plucked, from my understanding, um, just from bowling in the net um, to the Guyanese first-class team. He got invited to come along just to bowl because they needed net bowlers and uh, made his debut not long after and only played basically one year of first-class cricket in the, in the Caribbean and um, called it into this and, and look what he showed. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, are the major countries, you know, you played for Jamaica, you know, Guyana you just mentioned, Barbados, are they still playing a, a strong role in first-class cricket over there? Yeah, they are, yeah. I mean, that's that's all they have, really. And, that's, and this is, you know, my time that I spent, certainly in Jamaica. I mean, I saw glimpses of a Shamar Joseph, you know, like with either the bat or the ball, but just unfortunately just didn't probably have the structure or support around them to keep nurturing them through or give them the opportunity and, and prepare them for this opportunity. And um, I, I think I really have to give credit to the coach. I mean, I've got to understand him a little bit of Jamaican coach, um, had a little bit to do with him with my time. And he seems to have basically paid his dues in a way and coached the under 19 Jamaican team and sort of worked his way up, not a well-known sort of international player or anything like that, former international player, but just, as a real rapport with these younger players and, and it's sort of really gravitated them together. Yeah. It's just fantastic. To watch. Hey, it was just, look, it was a wonderful day's play yesterday just to watch, um, perhaps not for Australian supporters, but you know, the likes of Lara and Hooper and, and the old guys in the stands, there was a tear in the eye, mate. I mean, it was their first one in over a quarter of a century in Australia, their first win, test win. And I think that. That uh, you know shows what it means to those sort of players who have won lots of games during their time, but obviously very proud, you know, um, West Indians, and and to see them and their emotions, I think that shows, especially at Brian Lara, who's you know a superstar, and and um, yeah, just phenomenal. It means a lot to the region. I don't think um, Australians probably totally understand what it means. It's been a long sort of 25 years, you know, um, sort of ups and downs, and more downs than ups. So I think this really sort of gives hope to the region and um, hopefully we'll bring through the next lot of players and hopefully, you know, obviously they have to build on this. This is, you know, potentially a, um, I don't want it to be a kind of a one-off scenario, that's for sure. They want to keep building and, um, you know, they, they put Australia, you know, under a little bit of pressure and, and Australia probably didn't uh, handle it as well as they have previously. So um, really good that they took that opportunity because sometimes with these teams when they're, that they're not used to winning, Sometimes it's the hardest thing to get out of that line. So, and they've shown that they can do that from time to time. Now, yeah, so. it looked like they'd fallen flat 
hadn't it? When Smith and Green were going pretty well with the bat, they'd both found their their footwork. Uh, they'd went flat there, and then and and we were starting to think, oh, they don't quite know how to how to win. And with the bat on the last session of the day before, they went really quiet and tried to dig in, whereas their tail. You you know were at their most successful when they attacked the Aussies and they they tightened up there as well. Were you were you riding out all those moments? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, um, it it was. Yeah, and you're right. Heels. I think that's a great assessment of it. And I think there probably would have been some doubts there that they thought probably oh, well, here we go again. You know, and it's and it just takes that one moment, doesn't it? You know, when um, Shamar sort of bowls green and, and um, you know, all of a sudden that sparks something again. It just takes that one ball or that one dismissal and all of a sudden then, bang, everyone's up again and, um, you know, and then there's a bit of a partnership again potentially. But, you know, bang, 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 there's a few quick wickets again and, um, yeah, just uh, phenomenal. It was, yeah, it was up and down. It was left and right. It was it was all happening. Yeah. Hey, the big picture-wise, there was always that story that emerged, you know, when when their test team sort of went into decline a little bit, that the Americans were coming raiding these athletics, athletic West Indian, you know, youngsters for the NBA or the NFL and things like that, and, and cricket wasn't high on their agenda anymore. Uh, look, I, I have heard that, and obviously having spent some time over uh, in the, uh, in that setup, I guess, and it, I didn't really see that, to be honest. It was really, from my understanding, and again, this is probably something that not a lot of Australians realise, is that, you know, Jamaica especially, the island that I was at, um, a third world country, right? So for a, for a single mum trying to, you know, um, get cricket bats, cricket equipment for their kids, it's very difficult and it's, yeah. it's very expensive, right? But to give them a pair of running shoes, so it was more athletics and football, soccer, yeah. um, they were the big things that I saw that were taking the kids away because they're very naturally talented and, um, you know, but just it was hard to get them into a sport like cricket, which is quite expensive, or to keep them in a sport like cricket. Certainly the resources from the governing bodies, you know, maybe didn't, get down to that sort of level where it needed to, to help that grassroots, if you like, to, to keep nurturing these guys through. And I, I, I mean, I saw a lot of kids that were very talented, but, you know, not really sticking out cricket. It was probably more the athletics, the running. Certainly Usain Bolt had a big thing to do with that and Safa Powell and <clears throat> athletes like that yeah. so, and the female athletes as well. So well, I didn't see a lot of American stuff. Sure, there was um, uh, scholarships potentially offered to the better athletes as they got older, maybe for universities and things like that in America. Not entirely sure which sports and things like that, but obviously that was another way for, you know, a poor Jamaican child to sort of make something of their life and, and get an education. So, yeah. Because um, cricket cricket yeah. has, has got one of the great sporting challenges of world sport over there to, to get to combine 25 different countries all together in, in what we call the West Indies. Yes, yeah, um, it's very much challenging, uh, and it's the only sport where that happens over there. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, lots of different, I guess, I don't want to say agendas, but yeah, there was certainly that was a major challenge that I saw, and, and certainly I experienced to some degree as well. Obviously, coming into that environment, just seeing how everyone clicks, um, made up of so many different nations playing under the one banner. You know, there's different cultures and different ways of doing things yep. and thinking, and um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's certainly a challenge, but um, hopefully, like I said, they got some good coaches there there at the moment in a test setup. Um, I really hope that they can 
galvanise this team for a few years and, and hopefully that builds something that sort of keeps keeps the progress small steps at a time, but hopefully that keeps happening. Yeah, there's a bit to work with, eh? That, you'd like their middle, you know, their top order, Athanase, he's got Lara implications. Uh, Mackenzie took it to Nathan Lyon a few times and Hodge just loves playing cricket by the look of him. So there is enough to work with there. There is, yeah. And, and you know, like they're not too super young. I think some of them, like they're some of them in mid twenties and then yeah. some of them are late twenties. So I think they've, they've had a little bit of life experience, I think, which helps. Um, certainly again, probably a lot of Australians don't understand how culturally different it is for some of these guys who have probably ne- never left their islands or never gone further, maybe America or something like that to come to Australia. It's a completely different culture. So it's not just on the cricket field. It's, it's also them feeling like a fish out of water when they come to a, a country yeah. like Australia. They hey, seem to embrace it though. Like I'm, um, yeah, sorry, yeah, they did. yeah, I was just asking, what are you doing now, mate? I mean, what, what a story career you had. I mean, went back to Jamaica, you were playing here at North, you won Shields for Queensland, you were famous at Kent. You, you've been all over this cricketing globe, haven't you? <laughs> a fantastic sport, this one, isn't it, for cricket? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, yeah, my journey, um, yeah, it, it, it's, um, oh, look, I don't want to say it was, it certainly wasn't planned. It just sort of happened and, and unraveled the way it did. And um, I guess, uh, one thing I was probably most proudest of of my time and playing is that I always kind of knew, certainly the Queensland setup when I was here, it was a very strong shield team and um, first class team and squad that we had for those, that period that I was here. I was kind of always a fringe player and I understood my role, um, you know, it was just to support when players went to play for Australia and my opportunity came up was to, to sort of make sure I was ready and, and do the job for Queensland and, um, yeah, as I got obviously more and more into my career, my, my path sort of changed. And um, yeah, most thing, I, I, when I went to the Caribbean, I was late 20s. Um, I basically had one shot at it. And that's probably what I'm most proud of is that I really took that opportunity um, and, and made the best out of what I had. Mm, we yeah, showed him how stuff. to make hundreds, mate. Yeah. Well done. And, and post cricket now, um, Nash, are you still in the finance game? I am, yes. Yep. I um, started a little business about five years ago after working with the banks and sort of looking for my life after cricket. And it's, um, yeah, I've been enjoying it. Sort of created something and, and in, a, in a way I can relate business and, you know, running a small business myself and into my cricket journey as well and, and professional sports. So it's, it's sort of all about performance and, um, you know, that's something I've just sort of continued on, I guess, from my mm-hmm. cricket life. Well done, mate. Good stuff, mate. Yeah, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. You're one of those uh, West Indies cricketers that are a walk around uh, an extra foot taller today. Strutting around, you big That's it, definitely. Yes. (laughs) I might get the gold chain out too around the next (laughs) one. Good stuff. Brendan Nash, thank you, mate. See you, mate. Awesome day. There you go. Awesome to chat. (laughs) Now on Breakfast with Pat and Heels, Heels gets his gloves off. I thought I'd have a look at the considerations the Broncos have got to have in mind for Tavita Pengai Jr. And I guess the first thing, will will Tavita Tavita Pengai Jr. add something to the Broncos uh, that he once took for granted and didn't add? You know, has he now realised what he uh, has and is ready to commit to the club that uh, has many aspects to consider before deciding. So on release, Tavita Pengai Jr. was underachieving and quite troublesome. So do we feel um, that this has been overcome with experience? That's the first thing. Has he, you know, now that he's been an origin player, will he carry an origin price tag uh, even 
for the pro-rated season that he he will offer the Broncos from May onwards, I believe. So does he still have a footballer's or Ford's bulky body and, you know, retained all his former speed and strength? I suppose he has. He may be even improved to having, having had boxing training for, you know, six to 12 months in the lead-up to coming back to the Broncos. The other thing they must consider is do we feel his reasons for returning are genuine? and in the interests of the Broncos or just filling in time for himself, um, being a great sporting achievement type headlines uh, like Sonny Bill Williams uh, over the years. So they need to work that out and he needs to work that out as well. Are we concerned with our forward depth, um, especially towards the end of the season? And is this potential weapon, does it does it fit what we need very, very well? And is he well worth the experiment? And, and I guess it's not an experiment. It'll be a commitment. Uh, would we like seeing him try try this elsewhere? I.e., if the Broncos say no to it and he goes and plays for someone else, uh, do we feel okay about that? Mm, do we want to afford him? And can we afford him? That, you know, possibly, possibly three or four hundred thousand dollars. Probably uh, might be the price tag that uh, has to be found. Um, will the playing group be okay with us buying in such capable backup, or are they really keen for it? Um, and we should satisfy them. So these are all very answerable questions Mm. and could be done quickly. Uh, Once I heard that the Bulldogs were happy to see him play elsewhere, um, having walked out respectfully from them, it made me feel more receptive to the idea of the Broncos. Uh, It must come with a fantastic commitment to the premiership cause, which is something he hasn't had before. But young men can change, and I'm happy to entertain it with consequences contracted firmly, you know. So if it doesn't quite work out within the first month, you know, we can do this, this and this. So what about you, listeners? Are we happy to entertain the idea of Tavita back playing for the Broncos? 13, 13, 55. Damien Fleming, a very good morning to you. Hey, boys, how are you going? Um, Heels, do you want to elaborate? I did ask you whether you've used to read the sport for years on TV, but you did a little (laughs) bit of weather reporting. Um, for SEN during the test match. Is that something you'll you'll look to pursue? Yes, and something very proud of. Um, the, the, the locals do get asked about the weather, and even if we don't have a clue, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I gave no, my I weather... You, I thought you were very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was great. I, I just looked at the bomb, luckily, just before that, no, and knew the weather pattern was going from west to east. That's all I knew. Um, so, and it was... Listen it was to that, gone. Paddy. How good is that? <laughs> yeah, I, well, look, he's right, though. We get asked about it all the time, and I just point down towards the Gold Coast and go a little bit west of that and say, the weather comes from there. And the, the, all, all the interstaters seem to believe it, Flynn, believe me. <laughs> look, hey, sounds good to me. Hey, two great test matches yesterday. I don't know whether you got home in time to watch the end of the English match, but, oh, boy, oh, boy. It was just exhilarating to watch both the games. Yeah, and um, and the South Africa women upset the Australian girls yeah. well. So it was it was amazing all day. I uh, did get to watch the the end of the Indian England Test actually on air. You know, we got Wi-Fi now, so yeah. I could I was watching it on my phone. Um, so it was it was absolutely amazing. Um, and my first thought is how great is Test match cricket because of the the momentum shifts. Um, they can be slow to turn, but when they do, they're just remarkable. And um, 
you know, particularly when both teams can can win like the Australian West Indies one was just unbelievable. But yeah, the impact internationally for the West Indies to do this, um, Shamar Joseph's heroics and something we'll we'll talk about forever. And let's hope that that inspires um, Caribbean cricket because um, not just the West Indies but Pakistan. Um, we thought it was going to be a nightmare summer from a spectacle point of view and from a contest, but it really, the opposition teams in every test match had the Australians in trouble at some times, and for five, four of the five of the test or four of the tests, they got themselves out of that hole. Um, and yesterday, but, but despite Stephen Smith batting beautifully, they couldn't get that done. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a good call. Slow to turn and then hard to stop. You know, def- def- defending two hundred and sixteen yeah. is never easy. How does how do the bowlers feel on a on a uh, you know a defence like that? Well, let's be honest. I, I just when we come, got to the ground yesterday with no Sh- Shamar Joseph, you know, I just couldn't th- see them winning that game. They yep. need to get wickets early, and they didn't. Uh, we're hearing that he might not be coming to the ground, yeah. let alone bowl again. Um, they had to go to their part-timers like Graves, who did a real good job the night before, seven overs in a row. Um, but it took it out of him yesterday. He looked military, medium pace, and just couldn't get two balls in the one area. So it took something special, Heels. And, and, and it was, you know, Shamar Joseph. It was just... Um, he was steady when he got on, and then when he when he knocked over Cameron Green with a, with an unbelievable delivery, um, a good batch of balls on a good area that were just sort of shaping away from the right hander. I agree with what you said, Heels. You know, the West Indies actually got the ball to move more than the Australians mm. in this test. A really good ball to get Green, who who batted really well yesterday, not the night before, and then it was bang. You know that was a that was a deliberate ploy to York Head, um, who made a king pair. Um, yeah, Mitchell Marsh short ball, Alex Carey full from around the wicket. Um, you know Stark probably played the right role um, as in trying to score some runs because where were they going to come from? And then our tail just got absolutely exposed by some quality fast bowling. Mm. Yeah, there's no, I mean, there's no substitute for it, is it? One forty plus is going to give the tail in any team trouble. Well, it is. I mean, he also used to face, you know, three or four of them each Test match. Um, yeah, we grew up. You know, the West Indies were really popular in Australia. They weren't with the Australian players who had to play them every second year, <laughs> but. Um, just their style of play, um, their flamboyance with the bat, which, you know, isn't there. You know, the Brathwaite and Chanderpaul, uh, Larry Gomes type up the top, they, they didn't have great series. But this Kirk McKenzie, wow, doesn't yeah. he hit the ball beautifully? Um, you know, but he, they, need, they need game time. They don't get a lot of first-class cricket at home. So a lot of them... A, a learning their their game, um, their longer format in Test match cricket. So you'd have to say that Mackenzie, Athanase, Hodge, Graves, um, if they can keep that four together, um, and Brathwaite and Chanderpool can can get back into four, form and get that that younger middle order against older balls, I can see them doing well. And the attack, well, they obviously Roach is thirty five and been a warrior. 
Um, they need to get a replacer there. But that, that attack could do well in, in English conditions, in South African conditions, New Zealand, because uh, jo- Alzar is Joseph's uh, very, very fast. Good player. Shamar yeah. Joseph. I mean, that's a repeatable action. Um, yeah, great to see him. And for the Australians, well, still some question marks going to that New Zealand tour. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, obviously Steve Smith carrying the bat yesterday. Maybe he's answered a few questions. What about Green at four? Well, he, he just, the word scratchy uh, the night before. Um, I think with Cameron Green, you know, I, I really rate him as a, as a player. I, I want him in the team. Um, we were talking about yesterday, it's it's just intense. He seems very technical focused um, and and he, and he can't get out of it. The times I've seen him expand him, his game, we've seen it in white ball cricket, is when um, the Australians are up for a declaration in test match cricket. And because he's an unselfish player, he he decides to play his shots and, and help Australia accelerate the run rate. So he's got the shots, he's got the power, but how can he self-coach in field or problem solve to go, no, I've got myself out, out in now, I need to start um, scoring. And at number four, you, you, you want you want a free-flowing play. He doesn't need to be Travis Head or Mitchell Marsh. So um, he's young enough. I think he's good enough. Um, so I, I'd, I'd, I'd keep batting him at four while you've got these experienced batsmen around him. Yeah, what you're saying is he doesn't know how to bat yet. But and that means you know make a decision yeah. to and now I've got to push the button right now. He, he nearly got there yesterday, didn't he? He he hit a great drive for four, a cut shot for four, and he was he was back to his Sheffield Shield best. So until he got that nasty the ball that lifted far enough to hit him yeah. on the back elbow onto his stumps, he, he didn't have a lot of luck. No, it was a soft dismissal in the first innings, just a check drive to the one man in front of the wicket on the offside. Um, yesterday, you know, I hope he walks off going, I've got a good one there. You know, that there yeah. was not um, much he could do with that. And, and it was unlucky that the ball, you know, went off his um, thigh pad glove onto onto the pitch. So, um but certainly, certainly there. But um, yeah, overall, though, um, you know what? What a what a amazing grouping Test match um, yep. and day. Um, just an absolute highlight to, to to commentate. Yeah, it was. It's one of the best Australian Test matches ever. Um, do you believe the doctor? And well, how good was Shamar? Uh, Joseph and and he, the way he spoke after his great performance. But do, do you believe him that the do, he didn't know what the doctor did to his toe? I've got no idea. <laughs> I, I rushed out straight afterwards once we'd done the rap. So no, I, I didn't. What, what did he say? No, he sort of said, "Ah, oh, well, Doctor Bayam." Like it can he sort of was calling him up. He what, to to answer Ish's question about what you did to me, you know, like he, he's done it well. He's hidden it well. Whether it was a needle or whether they rubbed something like yeah, an anaesthetic on it, or or it wasn't that sore, but he he was playing up to the pain. And the doctor who'd done something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 it's got to be. He has to have got jabs. I mean, yeah, the way that that Sanchu crushed, smashed his toe. Oh. Um, and they said it wasn't broken, but that, at worst, they have to be badly bruised. And you've got to remember, when you're bowling, Pat, Ian Heels doesn't know it, the batsmen don't know it, but 10 times our body weight goes through the um, through our body when we land and release the ball. So if there's any little bit of pain through your body, I mean, that just gets um, magnified um, 
when you when you've got a smashed toe like that. So it was brave. Um, he actually got quicker the more yeah, he bowled, yeah, I know. which was insane. Ten consecutive overs and beauty after tea, give it to me again. So, yeah, th- this is a tick, one of the most heroic performances in Test Match cricket history. Um, you know, we, we, this is why we call it Test Match cricket, that, um, you know, sometimes you're, you're in absolute pain. I mean, we, we wouldn't quite be talking about it as much, but we, we would be talking so much about Stephen Smith. If he'd got 100 yeah. and got ourselves home... You know, we, we'd be talking about one of the great Stephen Smith knocks, and, and, and it was, even though he didn't get us home. But um, just that physical performance, it was a hot and humid test match. Australia, fast bowlers yesterday, three over spells, that's all they could do. Yeah. Um, and, and Joseph has just pumped out 10, a 10 over spell and taken seven for 68. But there's still there's still element of criticism of the Australians creeping around Australia that you know they didn't run through the tail of the West Indies and and they're getting some blame for keeping the total down to 216 to chase. I think that's a bit unfair. They they toiled well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's the one cross against Australia um, in the, in this. Um, summer is that their, their tactics to the tail enders. It wasn't a problem in the West Indies you know, second innings, you know, they knocked them over yep. virtually 10 runs, those last four. But the first innings, that cost us, um, you know, El, um, Sinclair, um, Alzari, Joseph, even Kumar Roach, only eight runs, but he batted for 68 minutes. Um, it hurt us against Pakistan, even though we went on to get the test match. That, that, that's one that, you know, years ago, you just, with this four, you just go, they make their tail uncomfortable, and they knock them over. Well, really what uh, Shamar Joseph did to our tail, yeah. you know, they were hesitant. Uh, back foots were going towards square leg. Um, that, that, they, they just wanted to, it, it was fight or flight from, from the tail. And that's something that we used to do. Um, and and that would be one that they need to, need to rectify going forward. Good stuff, Flem. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it today. Thanks, Flem. Thanks. Thanks, mate. See you, boys. Craig Tiley hailing it as the best Australian Open uh, as far as attendances go, et cetera, uh, ever. Brett Phillips, our SEN tennis expert, the first serve with Brett Phillips returns tonight, of which he's very proud. How long have you been doing this first serve, Brett? A hundred years. Yeah, uh, yeah, Paddy, I think it'll go into our 16th year this year. Well done, mate. Congratulations. I'm not sure sure if it's the longest standing show on SEN in our 20-year history. I reckon it'll go close. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Let's start with most recent events. Uh, Sinner last night, back from two sets to love down. Surely fatigue had to play a a factor for uh, uh, Medvedev. He, He played for over 24 hours. Yeah, well, no man in Grand Slam history has spent more time on a court than Daniil Medvedev at this year's uh, Australian Open. So, yeah, we could see it. Um, And he he got out of the blocks so well. I mean, he just had the eye of the tiger, Medvedev. I mean, going through that five-setter against Verev on Friday where he was uh, two sets of love down, he he didn't want to waste much time. And and he, I suppose, looked at this as a wonderful opportunity. Gee, I'm playing in my third Australian Open final. I'm not playing Nadal or Djokovic. I'm playing a first-timer. Um, I mean, they'd obviously played a lot against each other. And, yeah, his, his tennis was breathtaking. Yeah, he was on 
on the serve beautifully. Um, you know, he was dictating the court. Uh, his return position early on, normally it's, you know, back in the car park. He was yes. up right on the Melbourne side there and just ahead, so he was taking the ball early. Sinner didn't look overawed. He just couldn't settle into the match at all. And then, I mean, the response is always going to come when you've got two players of that ilk up against each other. Medvedev level was going to drop a little bit and, you know, the legs looked a bit you know, jelly-like. He was sucking on the gels and he was taking, uh, you know, an extensive break, obviously, with the kit change. Um, he was trying to take his time. He was feeling it, but he wasn't playing badly. I mean, he was holding serve, but Sinner then started to get his game going. And, yeah, the crowd was certainly in his corner and you've got to go the journey in this uh, five-set battle in the Grand Slam. It's... You know, two sets to love, Dan, is not a disaster for the top-line players. They just reset the scoreboard and start the match again. Yeah. And, uh, gee, a popular winner last night. And you know, to finish off with a, a big forehand up the line, when you think about the highlights through uh, Patton Hills this last fortnight, that forehand has just been devastating. They've got fast hands, haven't they? Fast racket speed, uh, some of their whippy shots, the backhands or forehands. It's incredible. Sin um, is quite a... Jovial young bloke, isn't he? Really, but he was—he was very, very serious on the walk out to the court. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. We always, when they walk past all the, you know, the champions of the past that yeah. walk down Rod Laver Arena, you're always trying to, you know, work out what's going through their mind. And they—they uh, they both um, had that steely yeah. uh, focus. But look, he's—he's he's developed as a person considerably. Yannick Sinner, you know, pretty shy young guy under the tour. Um, but he's he's settled into being you know really comfortable within his own skin and sort of his tennis trajectory has matched his sort of personality trajectory and you put all that together you add Darren Cale into the coaching mix yes. who's brought out the best in him and improved all these little areas to complement the foundations that were laid and probably a special mention should go to a guy who would have been sitting back in Italy last night Riccardo Piatti who you know took Yannick Sinner in when he was thirteen full-time at his academy. Prior to that, he was only playing tennis twice a week. You know, he was going to be obviously a skier and won all these uh, championships as a youngster and football he was pretty good at as well. And he dedicated himself to tennis and, you know, Piatti laid all the foundations uh, for what we see today. Yeah, just a few of the stats. He's the youngest player since Novak to win the Australian Open title. The Joker was 20 in 2008. Second Italian man in the Open era behind Adriana Panatta who won... uh, Roland Garros in 76 and now the most mm. decorated, already the most decorated Italian player of all time, this being his 11th career title. Mm. And uh, not lost with Darren Cahill, mate. I mean, the boy's got the magic touch, hasn't he? Wow. You know, what, what can you say? I mean, three players to world number one in his coaching tenure. He might be set, um, you know, to take a center there. He's within, what, about 2,000 points now of... Novak Djokovic as world number one, who's that's one slam away basically. Uh, yeah. You know, and look, he, you know, back on the clay, Roland Garros in May. You know, it's a surface that Cinder grew, grew up on, so he's going to be a, a contender there. And yeah, just a, a, a fabulous uh, win. I mean, Alcaraz has emerged now, Cinder, to grab a bit of Grand Slam uh, glory. And I feel like this year, you know, we could see a lot of the slams, a bit like the women's, you know, split between a handful of players. Yes, I mean, Djokovic yeah. is going to bounce back. We just don't know what that's going to look like totally. And Alcaraz, you know, he's lost his billing, I suppose, right now as the best youngster uh, in behind uh, Djokovic. So a lot spurring him on as well. I, um, we, we love Savalenka. She said that perhaps, perhaps my party and team drank and danced a little too hard after the uh, 6-3, 6-2 win over Zhang uh, Quinn Wen uh, in the women's final, which was a little disappointing, wasn't it? It was lopsided. 
Yeah, we, we thought we might get that sort of score on. The, the form she displayed all time, it was stand and deliver and mentally held her nerve really well. Um, you know, she's got better in that regard. I mean, she's but the best performed, you know, female player in the last uh, 18 months, two years. I mean, going semi-finals or beyond at all the majors, you know, I feel like she's one that can sort of maybe get on a tear and, you know, maybe become the queen of Melbourne Park like Djokovic has become the yeah. uh, the king. I mean, she's won two and she loves a hard court. Um, you know, you, you win two at the one venue, it brings back um, great memories when you return. So I, I think she can... I think if she can keep it all together uh, and she's in the prime now at 25, that she, you know, she could peel off maybe a couple or three of the slams this year. But, you know, back on the clay, Fiontech will be, you know, certainly a favourite where she's most comfortable having been a three-time champion there. So, yeah, fascinating year ahead. Yeah, and um, uh, Brett, um, uh, what's his name? Matty Ebden might get a a feed with Sachin Tendulkar eventually. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good... um, it's a good story, Matty. I've you know, had a bit to do with him, and he'll he'll like uh, John Millman. I think he'll transition into the media when it's all uh, said and done. He's yeah, okay. a great mind, a great analyst, and I noticed today he's uh, he's called out uh, the tours and the Grand Slams to really start putting uh, doubles in a more prominent position. And I agree one hundred percent. I'm sick of the doubles being the afterthought all the time, and he's even suggested at the Slams, you know, bring the fans up close and personal, play some funky music during the breaks. I mean, just you know, add to the product. I mean, these guys are good at what they do. The doubles is sensational. And most of the fans who come along, they're playing doubles at their local club or socially yeah, that's right. on a Saturday afternoon. And we've sort of got it as the afterthought when, you know, fans have had enough. I mean, Craig Tiley's called today, and thank God he's on the same page I am about no lets in tennis. The stat of this tournament is is the amount of lets added 15 hours more game time yeah, overall for the tournament, <laughs> which is incredible. Now, this is all about the new fans of the next 10 years, shorter attention span. Do they want to be there at 2 a.m.? Let's get this product moving all the time. And I'm glad he's called out no lets because it is the most frustrating thing ever. The, the finest lets where the trajectory of the ball does not change. Play on. Let's keep going. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, um, we, we've got to mention Bah Bapana, uh, 43, <laughs> Ebden 36, combined age of 79 years. It's a hell of a yarn. And uh, they're now the number one yep. doubles combo. The other one, mate, uh, obviously, Tylee was wrapped. Over a million patrons. I think with last night's crowd thrown in, so you'd top 1.1 million. Rosanna Hills, 19% interstate visitors, 8% international visitors. That's that's massive for the economy in Victoria. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a brilliant event, uh, no doubt. Close to home for me, and I'm a little biased. But it is, it is a fantastic event and I think the precinct will get better. Obviously they've spent about three hundred odd million the government here, Kia Arena and other things. But the when you're coming off Garden Square off the tram there, the West Side Court, so we're talking court three, court two, where they put a lot of the Aussies, they need an upgrade. The West Court, so I think they're going to try and get it that sunken sort of look. So you come over the bridge from the city that's the last bit of the redevelopment that will make this facility unbelievable going forward. If they're going to get a million people through the gates and 90,000 in a day, they need to create some more seats for those outside courts because they were bulging and heaving this year where you know, patrons couldn't sometimes get on the court to watch uh, the Aussies. So uh, if people are wondering where the money is going to be spent, when you they'll make a lot of money out of the Australian Open uh, this year. Uh, more redevelopment of Melbourne Park and obviously you know, a lot of that money also to filter down to the grassroots of the sport. Yep, it's one of the great sporting precincts anywhere in the world. Mate, great to have you on for the last week or so since we've been back on air. Brilliant as usual. Thanks, Brett. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. First serve tonight uh, at 7 o'clock.